0: You're listening to the Stay Sore. Hey, what's up, podcast. guys? Welcome back to the Stay Sore podcast. I'm your host, Bull Skitscombe, and today in this episode, we're gonna talk to Dr. Daniel. Um, and I'm gonna probably butcher your last name, Hawkman.
1: Yeah, Hawkman.
0: Hawkman. All right, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Hawkman, for being here. You are a medical doctor and you specialize in addiction. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, today's episode is about sugar slash food addiction. of Americans are obese these days, and I have a feeling a little something has to do with uh, food and nutrition. So let's talk about addiction. Uh, Can you introduce yourself really quick, where you are, what you do, who you are?
1: Yeah, I'm Dr. Daniel Hoffman. I'm a psychiatrist, and so that's a type of physician or doctor. Um, And yeah, so I've got a practice, and uh, this is my office here and work with people one-on-one, uh, but I've also created a, uh, an online program. And so uh, always thinking of ways to help people think through problems um, using different kinds of techniques.
0: I understand. Thank you so much for being in the show today. And your yeah. office is in Texas, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas.
0: Awesome, all right, thank you so much. From what I understand, you have been uh, consulting different addiction treatment facilities, you have been a speaker for Whole Foods, right? Mm -hmm. So you have been doing this for a while, you have some experience in this. So food and sugar addiction, is that actually a real thing? Is, 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 Is that a real problem? Or is that just something that people cover up their laziness or not being disciplined?
1: Yeah, it, it really just tests sort of how you think of um, disorders or illness and things. So uh, it is not a classically defined addiction. So mm-hmm. you won't find you know food addiction in any diagnostic manuals, uh, either international ones or here you know ones we use in the U.S. Um, so you're not going to go into the doctor and get diagnosed with a food addiction. But um, there there is absolutely a very well understood you know, pathology or idea of people do get addicted to food. It is a real thing and it obviously creates problems. So, you know, we don't have diagnoses and labels for everything that we do that goes wrong. um, But it would be something that's pretty well understood. So it's a real thing in that sense.
0: So have you encountered in your practice and your experience people that have true addictions to food or sugar
1: yeah, absolutely. And um, and it is something that that is more vague generally than like, you know, if you inject heroin, well, when you do that, you know, that that's bad. And, you know, we definitely have to cut that out. Um, the inherent problems we have with food addiction is um, not only do we need to eat. So, you know, mm-hmm. when we have to do things that we're also saying are bad for us or that we're addicted to, it gets tricky. So the same thing happens with, say, sex, right? You know, I understand. You have to have sex but it's certainly a healthy activity and so um so that gets tricky um but yeah as far as you know seeing people here with that yeah like you know there's a lot of people that recognize they go way too far with it and it's not good for them
0: so the, you're saying there's like kind of a blurry line where you where you draw the line between addiction and actually you have to eat and it's just a little bit too much or something like that so it's not a clear line therefore it's hard to define
1: yeah and for most people and so part of the job is you know figuring out for a particular person but also in general at well, what point are you going to define it as an addiction
0: I, I understand what you're saying thank you and so how how does that compare to what we quote-unquote consider real addictions like a drug addiction alcohol addiction how does that a food addiction compare to those that we consider real addictions
1: yeah, depending on the substance you're comparing it to, um, food can be more addictive. So uh, mm-hmm. sugar, for example, is generally seen as more addictive than cocaine. Um, okay, wow. So, so as far as like lab imaging, and you look at, you know, different pathways getting stimulated, and which mm-hmm. ones, you know, are getting fired up when they have cravings, um, you know, sugar addiction is a very real thing. It's activating the addiction pathway. So um, comparing to other substances gives us some reference points, and so it's it's very real in that way. Um, of course, then it's also safer you know to have a, a big donut uh, you know that's safer than snorting a line of cocaine. so so I'm certainly not you know saying there's no difference there but but as far as the addictive process, right we always have to separate out there's a difference in outcome, right whether mm-hmm. I inject yes. something in me. Or whether i eat a donut so the outcome is is so clearly you know very different but the process is remarkably similar I understand. as far as you know what pathways what, what, getting activated how much it overwhelms us so
0: um as as a trainer and a lifelong enthusiast of the healthy lifestyle i wanted to ask you is the outcome really that different and what i mean by that is from my understanding, it's not so much different. It just takes longer or less time of destruction. Does is that do you understand the question? Yeah,
1: and we could easily, very easily, say that um, you know someone who abuses certain kinds of drugs uh, might be at very, very low risk of bad health outcomes, mm-hmm. and someone who's eating you know too much chronically every day is knowingly you know going to create. a a true health hazard so just to give an example i mean you know if you get more and more overweight you're going to have cardiovascular disease more than likely and you will shorten your lifespan higher chance of cancer and diabetes and everything right so you got bad problems there whereas you know if you're you know um, abusing a hallucinogen for example Mm -hmm. you might get psychotic but the odds are you're going to be fine especially if you're using it you know in the safety of good people and stuff and uh, in a controlled environment. So I'm not, again, advocating for that, but of course, just certainly. to make a point, you know, there are things that you could get labeled, you know, you're, you're a drug addict, but um, but it out would actually be that, you know, even apples to apples here it could still be much more harmful to be addicted to food. I
0: understand. All right. So when do you, you, you said there's blurred lines when it comes to food addictions. When do you, for certainly like, when do you know, you have a problem? How do you recognize it? And when do you know there is an addiction?
1: so the way I think of it is, um, I don't care much about what the object of the addiction is because it it could be food, it could be heroin and it could be sex, could be Mm -hmm. alcohol, right? Um, So then you have to ask this difficult question. Well, so how are you gonna define it then? Mm -hmm. Um, Like with food, you know, you're gonna really count calories and say, you know, that's the addiction or, you know, We have problems in training, right, of like BMI. Like Mm -hmm. you you don't want to just call someone obese at a certain number because you see how silly that is if you're, you know. Correct,
0: correct, yes. I run into this all the time. Yes, my BMI is way high, but I just have more muscle mass, so I understand.
1: Right, so you need a more sophisticated evaluation to determine is someone healthy or not than just BMI. Well, same thing in addiction, right? We need to have a more sophisticated understanding than just am I doing a lot of it? And so rather than just measuring amounts and frequencies, um, the way I think of it is much more psychological than okay. just through some you know, outward measure. And the real question to ask yourself is, are you turning to something outside of you to regulate your internal emotional state? So okay. if my internal emotional state is something that I cannot work through or handle or tolerate within myself, right through some sort of tolerance self-reliance mm-hmm. ethic things like that well then the more that i turn to something outside of me whether it's healthy in appearance right it could even be exercise mind you right I understand. there's a lot of addicts that turn to the gym in replacement for you know something that's been more troubling so a very very common pathway especially for young men that's that's a common pathway for a reason, right? It's much healthier and I wouldn't interfere with someone doing that. But if you're using the gym because you're pissed off at life or because you're Mm -hmm. totally lost existentially.
0: How did this podcast turn about me? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: I talk to someone long enough and, you know, we, we always discover, you know, none of us are operating all that well. I know. I know we all have our buttons. Oh, we do. So, um, so yeah. You know, and so when I say this, it's always a matter of degree, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, do I ever turn to something, of course, including, you know, food, chocolate, you know, because I've pushed myself a little too hard that day or the world's put a little too much shit on me today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I do. And so, but the more we find ourselves turning, you know, to the outside, meaning anything outside of our body. You know, I I call that addiction when it becomes more of a preoccupation. So not just once in a while, you know, do I do I put on a movie, go to the gym, need a walk, need chocolate, whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. to to try and get by that in that moment. But when it becomes a preoccupation and very habitual, you know, that's when I would call it an an addiction.
0: So if life becomes heavy and I turn to that thing again for the 10th, 15th, 20th time, it becomes a little bit of an addiction. And that's yeah. my way of dealing with problems?
1: Yes. And I'll add, I don't really care whether we call it a dependence, an addiction or what, right? The, the whole idea is not whether we label it one way or another, but just we have to recognize when we're becoming reliant on something else outside of us.
0: Okay. So the next natural question, and hopefully that's the topic of the podcast what do you do if you recognize this pathway? What do you do about it? What are some practical things you can start implementing to start fixing the issue?
1: I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, thank you yeah. for being on the podcast. <laughs> no. So there are a lot of things. Um, I, I like to break it out for people to start mm-hmm. to, to get inspired that there are a lot of different ways to intervene. So um, I, I teach that there's these different steps and I can walk you through it for just a minute here, but you know, I, I call it a current because we're kind of swept through a range. It's a series of different events that happens um, that leads us you know, to that final outcome of an addiction. And so it starts with some form of distress or discomfort. And that could be that you're super pissed off at stuff. It could be that you're depressed, empty, really bored, um, very often just not happy with where you are in life. Um, and so that's the distress right and it could be that you were diagnosed but it also often is just not even diagnosed you just know you're not well okay understood so not well carrying things from the past or something going on now it doesn't matter right there's something unwell that creates a craving a craving all it is is just the mind saying i want out of this and that, again, could be chocolate, could be heroin, but I want out. I don't like this feeling right now. I don't like sitting with this. I'm going to turn to something else. That's a craving. So that's, that's sort of the next step in this current. Uh, that's still just an idea, though. The idea itself is not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, if we tolerate that idea, it's fine. Um, but then it's when we carry through and engage in that, that it becomes the activity, right? Understand. So, so it's actually one part of it that i call then the addictive addiction part of the current Mm -hmm. is when you carry out the craving and then there's actually a final step to the current which is a false pleasure the whole idea you're doing this thing to begin with is this false idea that when i consume or do this thing it's going to be euphoric it's going to bring me pleasure it's going to escape me from that initial bad feeling and so um you can intervene at any one of these, right? You can take care of, of course, the very source of it with what's going on. That's actually one of the more difficult things. So I usually don't start there. Mm -hmm. Um, We can learn to tolerate cravings and ride through those. So that's something uh, that's a skill that can be learned. On the addiction part, that's usually the more typical and superficial, if I may say, sorts of interventions. So that's like Find the right accountability, or take all the alcohol out of the cabinets, or Got someone it. else Got controls it. this or that about you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know usually where a lot of rules can come in, um, and then that last part is you know being able to recognize the romantic nature of that it's going to take you out of this bad life and and start to break that down and recognize how much you might romanticize certain aspects about it, um, and differentiating between false and true pleasures. And, um, and then beyond that, I also like to teach people that there's, there's a whole life outside of just managing the current, you know, one can actually find ways of being that don't live in relation to the current. It's just a whole different way of being that's usually um, in short, very process oriented. Can you,
0: can you explain in a different way, this last part, what what exactly you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, I'll just back up and say, I do find when I, whether I sit with patients or talk with anyone, um, most of us live with some idea that, you know, a lot of the time we are trying to avoid negative stimuli and bad mm-hmm. things and, and mm-hmm. then find things that are pleasurable, which could be as innocent as, you know, I don't, I don't want to go hungry. I don't want to starve. I don't want to be lonely. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't like these bad things. And so I'm going to go to good stuff, which could be money, sex, plenty of something to keep me safe and secure. Understood. So, so it's sort of a scarcity mindset. It's one where, you know, like life is to be managed well enough and I need enough good things that, that I feel okay enough. Mm-hmm. But um, the other way of being that I'm referring to is one of actually engaging in things that are joyful and And it doesn't necessarily need to have any relationship to avoidance or escape or even to um, gratification either. So, um, you know, we could look at it in the context of anything, but say with working out, for example, rather than using exercising because, you know, to, to escape some anger within or to escape feeling small right figuratively okay. and literally i understand
0: i understand yeah
1: well that's a different way of engaging and working out right that's one of it's it's operating on avoiding a bad feeling right and so then i'm going to find a good one which is well, I'm, I'm big and strong and tough and well instead working out just because it's it's a healthy thing to do that makes you feel good in itself
0: okay not
1: because of a girl and not because you might get picked on or used to but mm-hmm. because. It actually just feels good in itself. Um, some kind of self mastery, right? The, I understand. Um, a, an act of discipline, an act of humility, an act of self reliance. Um, you know, it, and, and so those are those are things that are not in relation to avoiding badness.
0: Instead of dealing with the issue and how to fix the issue, we can focus totally on a different aspect that can make you not even need to think about those things. Is, is, do I understand that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because we're kind of saying you don't actually have to be stuck playing this game of always finding something better or a little bit healthier to do to escape oneself that okay. we can in in time embody that latter option, right? Embody the part of you that just enjoys working out. And so so it might in- just happen to be that you become some strong badass but I it's not because you're trying to show people that you're tough now it's just because you just are a badass right you you are you just embody this person who finds joy and pleasure in working out itself
0: so in the simplest terms instead of figuring out how do i fix the transition from a to b i'll just focus on c and then i don't care about a and b
1: correct is- Correct. Okay. And it's kind of what we usually find very appealing about cool people, you know, people who we would sort of as a consensus agree, like that person's cool. Mm -hmm. This kind of what they're doing, you know, they're not trying to cover up for anything. Otherwise, that's not cool. You know, oh, that's this loser who thinks that, you know, we're going to think he's cool now because, you know, this and that. Now he's got this cool car, or this and that. But it's very cool when that person is just doing it. Because they love
0: it. So in my in my field, the health and fitness, and I'm a gym owner, and I've been in the fitness industry for over a decade, it has a very, very, I never thought about it that way. But now I understand that I'm actually almost doing the same thing that you just described in the sense of most of my clients want to lose weight. There's some college athletes, some injuries and surgeries that we need to treat, but most of people want just to lose weight. And what yeah. happens is they always struggle with this overeating, going on a diet, losing weight and fighting these calories in calories out and binge eating and then not eating. And then actually going to the gym becomes that C- uh, point C instead of A and B, where they just yeah. let's just focus on being healthy and moving, and then A and B become kind of less not less important but less overwhelming if that makes sense
1: yeah and and a word I, an adjective I would add in there just less tiring right it's, it's very mm-hmm. tiring to work out because you're trying to manage your weight or work out you know because you're trying to get a girl like that's It's very exhausting mm-hmm. and when you're doing it for a particular agenda, well, what if the agenda doesn't work out? Or of course the agenda doesn't stay, you know, you don't keep the girl because you look a certain way you don't, you don't maintain a weight forever. Right. You still have to manage all kinds of things. So, I understand. um, so it's very tiring, whereas it's not very tiring. If you just enjoy the camaraderie of the gym, I understand.
0: That's Yeah,
1: not tiring. You know, it's, it's fine.
0: So uh, back to addiction a little bit, I, I, from my life experience, I understand there's two big motivators in life that drive progress, the avoidance of discomfort or pain and the pursuit of something better, better, the pursuit of happiness, right? So avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure. And it sounds to me like you're trying to describe that addiction creeps in somewhere in between and holds on to one or the other at the base of it and tries to make you avoid pain or pursue an artificial pleasure
1: is that right exactly the current i described fits you know exactly your concept you know to a t because addiction is like you know if we think of like an electric circuit right it's Mm -hmm. it is what completes the circuit right we're getting out of the bad and going to a positive so it's it's negative to positive so it's very much a current right it's a we use the word current for water but also you know current For the transmission of electricity, so Mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, it would just be the conduit, right? For exactly what you're describing. Now, the only distinction I'd make is that the fork in the road with this is when you're going to a false pleasure, you know, that's addiction. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say we can also be motivated by a distinctly different type of pleasure, right? It, It is motivating, for example, to let's say stick with the example of camaraderie at the gym. Yes. You know, that, that's not really an agenda. It doesn't have to be out of avoidance for being lonely, mm-hmm. right? It might, it might happen to be a good solution to feeling lonely. But if you're enjoying the camaraderie at the gym, uh, or the, if someone enjoys your presence when they're there and finds that inspiring, it is not necessarily to avoid a bad feeling. And so you could still say, in keeping with your concept, it's a it's a guiding principle it's a motivating force but not necessarily to avoid badness
0: i understand okay i have a curveball for you that i just thought of is yeah. there such a thing and maybe that's just wordplay but is there such a thing as good addiction
1: yeah you're right i mean the way you put it certainly you know depending on how we're using the words you 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 could name good addictions and say you know it's good to be addicted to good friends or, you know, broccoli good times together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, get to be addicted to the feeling you get at the gym, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, if we're using the term that loosely, then sure. But in a stricter definition, you know, where addiction really is avoiding some negative state, um, I wouldn't say it's a good addiction. But I will add this that, you know, addiction is always just a matter of degree, if we're loose okay. in our understanding of it. So that's why I give the example before. I mean, I don't live such a pure life that I, I never choose to partake in some escapism. So I as long as I'm not becoming habitually reliant on that, I would say that's a good addiction, right? It's a good addiction in that sense, if we're understanding it in that way, that if I have a bad day and then I go on a nice walk, and enjoy that breeze and the night sky you know you could technically call that an escape and that there's some pleasure i'm trying to reach there but um that's a pretty darn good addiction
0: so, yeah i understand what you're saying yeah. so it's the, a matter of degree
1: yes yes okay the Degree so, in which we we become reliant
0: so yeah. you talked about the current let's say a listener or a viewer depending where people are listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube, by the way, to subscribe. But if somebody's listening and finding themselves in this current, what like right now, when the podcast is over, when they turn off, what do they have to do? They listen to it and they see themselves, "Yes, that's me. What do I do now?"
1: Uh, usually, the first step to me is just recognizing that that might even exist. And, it, and if anything resonates and you say, yeah, well, I already know. Yeah, I, I do that. Um, don't just jump into action all, the, all of a sudden so quickly. I mean, that's where I see people go wrong is first just fill in that map. You know, first just start to, to, to put more uh, discrete thinking, like more actual thoughts and mapping out, okay, yeah, what is it that I don't feel so good about? And if it's like that i feel you know depressed or something well but what you know what what is it that's sad what's not mm-hmm. going well and so you know name those things and then the craving like well start to recognize well what what are all these ideas about an escape that i have because it, it might be food but it, it might be some other things too so what are these ideas well why do i partake in one of my ideas and not the other so i guess i do have some tolerance because i don't do these other ones and. And then the pleasure too, you know, like, well, how pleasurable is it really? So before you try and sort of just stop or suddenly, you know, find this immediate success, just map it out and, and, and just try to discover on a more, you know, intricate level, how you're even operating.
0: Don't be afraid to analyze yourself and the issue. So to, to put it into steps from what I understand, I'll just word it differently. Try to figure out the name what you're trying to avoid
1: yeah yeah and down the line you know so so it's just um probably whatever you've been doing you've been doing for many years Mm -hmm. like i said the outcome could be different right if the object of your escape changes it can it can get really harmful within a day or it could be more chronically slow burn kind of thing but in either case the process has probably already been there for quite some time so you don't need to save yourself from it, you know, within 24 hours, better to take some time to just take stock of what you're even doing with yourself.
0: Okay, I understand. Well, this was kind of eye opening. Uh, A lot of different concepts I haven't thought about, but they make a lot of sense. Uh, where, Where can people find more about you, or if they want to know more about your practice, and you're dealing with more than just drug or alcohol addictions you're dealing yeah. with all kinds of addictions right so where can yeah. people find you
1: so uh for my practice i'm here in texas doctors can only treat people in the state that they're licensed and practicing so um i'm at hawkmanhealth.com but as far as um, wherever you are i do have an on-demand uh, online learning program mm-hmm. that helps people uh, break everything we've set down and go through you know in detail, and it goes on a, in a very deep psychological journey to take mm-hmm. people through on the other end, and that's at selfrecovery.org.
0: And uh, and you you are overseeing the whole process yourself.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's entirely created by me, and mm-hmm. the whole curriculum is um, seamlessly brings together a bunch of different disciplines and uh, psychological approaches. So it's it's entirely built by me. It was my my baby it took a couple of years to develop. Um, I I read,
0: I understand. I read about it a little bit, and it's pretty fascinating how much goes into the whole process.
1: I'm pleased, you know. I don't know if it's worth telling the viewers. You know, you reached out to me, and I'm I'm impressed when you know someone's really trying to think about what are all the different ways that you know people might want to think about to improve themselves, and it's not you know always only about getting stronger. We always get the strongest when we work on our weaknesses and so that there's a meta level right it doesn't just mean working on those you know weaker parts of our body right that you know like you got to do a tough squat not only a bunch of benching and stuff but, but on a meta level working on the weaker parts of our life as well. Um,
0: yes, definitely. I was actually super excited about this. And just to the viewers and listeners, I don't know you, we, we literally just met two minutes before we started recording this. I don't know you. So I was pleasantly surprised about how you broke it down and stuff. But to me, it's so important that people understand when you come to the gym, you work on your mind before your body, your mind has to decide that you're about to do something sweaty, painful, uncomfortable, something that's a little harder than sitting on the couch, you know? So we train our minds and then you don't know that, but I published a, a mindset book about this whole concept where you, you train your mind before the body takes action. And Absolutely. that's why it was so important to talk to you. And I really appreciate it guys. If you have more questions to Dr. Daniel Hockman then I'll leave them in the comments. Maybe we're going to have him on the podcast again one day.
1: Yeah, I'd love that.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Stay sore, guys. Peace out.